5 o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. It is uh, Patrick Johnson's show Tuesday. Yeah, first day of February. All that time of year where it just starts to become a grind for those college basketball teams. Who can survive the uh, the next 28 days? You could do that. You'd find yourself in a real uh, prime opportunity maybe to compete for a natty. Got to get through these next few weeks though it is a grind next four weeks are tough tough legs are heavy it's a rough deal uh it is great to have you along the ref philip pilkington uh producing today and then before we get go look I, we'll get to some brady stuff there was some really good stuff from adam gold today had a great guest on that kind of I think laid it out better than anything that I could do or anyone could do to be quite honest as far as Brady legacy love him or hate him uh, we'll hear from Joe Dooley in a little bit as well he's got uh, ECU uh, hopefully off the schneid as far as shooting the basketball they'll host Temple tomorrow night I think all of Kinston is going to be in town for Damian Dunn speaking of which uh, Brian Hanks who hosts a sports show over on uh, a station in Kinston 960 the Bull uh, Brian will be on with uh, us later on in the show to talk a little bit about uh, Damian Dunn. And, and I think we'll get the, the skinny on this, but Damian Dunn uh, essentially told uh, him that, you know, he he wanted to go or would have gone, I think was the, the way it was phrased, to East Carolina. Not necessarily wanted to go, but would have gone. And then I, I was looking through some stuff today, and Dunn, I mean, Dunn had a visit four years ago. Been around a while, still a, fr- a redshirt freshman. But, you know, he transferred from Kinston to a, a high school in Atlanta. We'll get into all of that, though. We'll get into all of that. Uh, Ref, you good? Everything good on your end? Yeah, pretty good. I did have a little bad flashback when I woke up and saw it was February 1st. That was the uh, date the Panthers lost their first Super Bowl, so that one hurt a little bit. Uh, that, I'm good. Didn't like that, huh? Didn't like that. Uh, and uh, happy birthday to uh, one of the guys that used to ply his trade here. Great friend, great pirate. He's CJ the Pirate. I learned something about CJ the Pirate. Are you a cat boy or a dog boy, huh? Well, this is what we learned. Oh, he a cat boy. I can see that. He likes cats. I mean, look, there's nothing wrong. That's from the Righteous Gemstones, by the way. Hilarious. Baby Billy. But, um... I'm a little surprised that CJ's a cat uh, cat guy. A little surprised. In some ways I am, in some ways I'm not. Didn't know that. You're being awfully quiet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wasn't going to say much. I mean, I, I, I gave well, you the information. You're telling the people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, if it were anybody but CJ, I'd keep it to myself. But, I, you know, I love to give CJ a shout-out on the radio. Um. Uh, see, I'm a dog guy. Our little, our little pup Dash, not doing so great right now. We're trying to get him, get him back to 100. percent But um, you, but you, you strike me as a dog, as friendly as you are, Philip. You're a dog guy, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Ben strikes me as a cat guy. Actually, I know he's a dog guy, but I think Ben is a cat guy. Yeah, you're right. It would not surprise me if Ben w- would have been a cat guy. But uh, like you said, oh, Ben is a dog. Oh, he's a cat boy. He's a cat boy. He, he says he's not, but I I think he is. I Honestly, his roommate has a dog and a cat, and I don't think he likes either one of his roommate's well, animals. So. I think if, if, it were, think if it were up to Ben, he would just – he wouldn't have anything. <laughs> but Ben's dad has a dog that's a good – like if you look up the definition of like an old porch dog – in the dictionary, yeah. that's what Ben's dad has, and that is the best dog, and Ben loves that dog. 
Yeah. It's a, oh, yeah. No, Ben's a good. Yeah, just I could see Ben. Ben's like the great uncle, kind of like the Funkel, the P man. You know, my two nephews, my niece, play with them. You know, throw ball with them. You know, the niece, I'll watch her have her tea parties and you know dress up with the dolls. The whole nine. Give them lots of sugar and then give them back to the parent. That's how Ben I would strike me with the dogs. Loves the dogs, but he he's not going to take it home with him. Yeah, that is exactly it. He loves to go over there and visit the dog, but that's that's about the end right. of it. That's about the end of it. Yeah. All right. Well, Tom Brady, uh, in case you didn't know, retired today. Did you hear this, Philip? Did you read about this? Did you hear about this? Uh, you know, it it might have slipped up somewhere here or there. I might have seen something on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, Jason Lockenfora is. Uh, See him a lot on CBS Sportsnet uh, and also on uh, the digital stuff online for CBS Sports. One of those kind of like Will Brinson, NFL uh, guys. He has a show, too, up in Baltimore in the afternoons. Of course, we couldn't have booked him, but I was uh, rolling around today and heard Adam Gold. And, you know, when when we were kind of getting ready, I wanted to kind of look at Brady comparatively to the other quarterbacks of his generation and, and articulate that in a fine way that made sense. And uh, Lock and Fora, courtesy of the Adam Gold Show, which uh, you may have heard and you can hear from noon till three weekdays here on 94.3 The Game. Uh, he laid this out. Let's do cut one of uh, Lock and, Lock and Fora. Uh, and that is just Brady and his legacy. I think this cements things, like Brady or not, I think this cements things quite well. It's such a remarkable career to have done what he's done and to do it in this golden generation of quarterbacks, right? Where he's, I mean, everybody talks about these guys had to get through Tom Brady. Well, how about Tom Brady versus the field when the field includes Phillip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger and Aaron Rodgers and Peyton Manning and Eli Manning and some Brett Favre overlap and Russell Wilson sprinkled in and, this guy, <laughs> this guy goes to ten Super Bowls <laughs> in twenty years yeah. in that era against those dudes, right? And Rivers and Ben and Peyton and Eli and Favre and Rogers combined for eleven Super Bowl appearances in the totality of their career. He's got ten, yeah. and he's got seven rings. He went to the playoffs nineteen times in twenty seasons. Yeah. <laughs> he comes into the league in nineteen ninety nine. Steve Young, Dan Marino, Randall Cunningham, Warren Moon, Troy Aikman, Doug Flutie, they're still in the league. <laughs> and he has two Hall of Fame careers in one. Yeah, He's a part of two dynasties in the same place that creates a mini-dynasty in two years in another conference in a pandemic year. It, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, there's 27 quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame. There are five whose careers overlapped at least to some degree with – Tom Brady, yeah, Aikman, Young, Favre, Marino, Peyton Manning. Those guys have nine combined Super Bowl appearances. He's got ten. <laughs> yeah, it's it re- so he, he goes out on his terms. He goes out healthy. He doesn't need a surgery. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't have to throw himself back into the throngs of hardcore TV twelve lifestyle. Um, he, he goes out having almost pulled up, uh, uh, pulled off uh, an amazing, iconic comeback win. He did all he could in that game. He did it in front of his home fans. And man's going to turn 45 years old in, in August. And next year, that band's not going to be the same. And he might go out on a gurney. And he might lose another step or a half step. Right. And this was the last dance without him ever crowning it the last dance. I, I just I think that sums up everything. It gives you... The modern day, and look, he had two fabulous seasons, two of the best seasons of his career and in Tampa to wrap it up. And you, you look at it, I mean, look at listen to those accolades. Listen to the guys that are in the Hall of Fame that had some overlap. And I, and I think he hit the nail right on the head. I mean, you know, he, he started when that kind of generation of quarterback, Aikman, Marino, et cetera, Favre, were, were wrapping things up. And I mean, this is the, I mean, I agree with the golden age of quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, you got Russell Wilson in there, um, the Mannings, Rodgers, Phillip Rivers. I mean, there, there is some, and 
He had to he had to deal with all of them one way or the other. Mahomes, Roethlisberger, here most recently. Yeah, Ben Lott, Roethlisberger, exactly. Drew Brees, and, uh, Drew Brees. Uh, you know, I, I mean, you just couple good quarterbacks. Whatever you think of of Dak and Romo, I mean, two very productive quarterbacks in Dallas. I mean, there. This was a a time where he. It, it was everybody talks about. These guys would have more if Brady weren't around. Brady, it was Brady versus the field. I just thought that was that was really well summed up. And obviously, uh, his record against the field, we can't. It would take a while to add it all up. But he went eleven and six against Peyton Manning, who they said was the shortest conversation ever to get into the Hall of Fame as to how long it took everybody to say yes. He was eleven and six against him. Yeah, well, that I, I I don't doubt. I mean, Hall of Fame, but but I just I think to. If we want to get into the the goat situation, or we want to get into, I mean, he's you know I always thought maybe Rice, Montana, but I, I think it's it's got to be, it's it's got to be Brady, and I think the last two years, and Philip, you would agree with this. I mean, I think the last two years have done a lot to maybe rehabilitate his image. I, there's a lot of Twitter hate about you know cheating and Deflate Gate and all that, and, and all the things with the Patriots. I mean that's part of the legacy. Let's not, let's not, uh, you know, skirt past that. But I, I think he's done a lot in the last couple of years to sort of uh, rehabilitate. Maybe too strong a word, but maybe strengthen his image. You know, we we kind of like the guy go. I mean, I, I found myself kind of rooting for him last year to win the Super Bowl, and they got there. Yeah, it's weird. I did too, and I agree with everything you're saying about these last two years. I think it really helped him kind of getting away from the whole Belichick, Kraft, New England junk. Well, you know, it was interesting today. He did not at all acknowledge the Patriots. He went back on social media a little later and acknowledged them, but he did not acknowledge them at all. I mean, he puts a picture up of him and, you know, with the heart emoji on, on uh, what was it, Instagram with uh, a Tampa Bay uniform on. Uh, another quick cut here, and this is, you know – as far as what we were just talking about, Brady is in Tampa is kind of being a media darling. You know, kind of likable. Now, those Hertz commercials are a little annoying. But, I mean, likable as, as far as Madison Avenue goes. And would that have worked throughout his whole career? Jason uh, LaConfora of CBS Sports, their uh, NFL insider, says, no, it wouldn't have worked. Play I don't know if this version of Tom Brady – would have worked earlier in his career. When you're winning three Super Bowls in four years and you still think you've got four or five more in you, I don't, you know what I mean? And you're, and it's the Patriot way and you're in Foxborough and Belichick has established his thing. You know, you make certain bargains and I don't, I don't, I don't know that they would have, man, I mean, this is crazy to say, but I don't know. I think you, you almost had to be a football cyborg to do what they did in the modern era with salary cap and free agency. Like, if it's a little happy-go-lucky, you know what I mean? If it's a little goofy, like, I don't know. I, I don't know that they're able to have two dynasties with one quarterback. I, I think Brady bought into that, and I think right. the deeper they got into it, um, he was willing to make those bargains up until the very end when he wasn't anymore and he wanted to show – the rest of the world that I can do this, you know, I can do this somewhere else and it can be pretty damn amazing there too. And I can, I can do it differently. And he did. Um, but I don't know that it would have worked in new England. And I kind of feel like they relished being the heel. They liked that. Everybody hated them. They liked being the evil empire. It helped continue to fuel this ridiculous competitive spirit that allowed them to continue to sort of, I mean, they were, it was like the world against us. It's like, but you're in the Super Bowl or the championship game every year. How is the world against But the world's against us. Yeah, they, they think we cheat. They think we do this. They, they have conspiracy theories. They wonder why only we recover fumbles in Foxborough. Like, it's got to be the ball. It's got to be this. It's got to be a camera somewhere. That fueled them. And I don't know that that's very happy-go-lucky, you know, let's have fun on our Twitter. That is... Uh... Courtesy of the Adam Gold Show, we appreciate them sending that over today for us to uh, to pluck from. Again, I, I think that those two things right there, all time, and then you know what is kind of wrapping up in, after two years in Tampa, uh, really great statements that uh, it would have taken me and our, our our crew here forever to put together. 
Uh, but Tom Brady out, 22 seasons, seven Super Bowl rings. Also saw, and Philip will have more on this coming up, Brian Flores is suing uh, the NFL, the Dolphins, the Broncos, and the Giants. So uh, it's kind of interesting. And this is quite a – there's a text exchange in this. This is really something. All right, uh, we're going to give away a four-pack of tickets to tomorrow night's game, ECU Temple, 7 o'clock. You want to go, give us a call. You'll be caller five. We might chat with you on the other side. Uh, 252-561-GAME, 252-561-4263. Pirate Report next with uh, comments from Joe Dooley, bottom of the hour. We'll have uh, Brian Hanks on from uh, Kinston Radio 960, the Bull and the Brian Hanks Show, to talk a little bit about uh, Damian Dunn and uh, that whole storyline of the game on Wednesday night. Uh, Caller 5, four tickets to the game tomorrow night at 252-561-GAME. Caller 5 when we come back on the PJ Show. Eastern North Carolina's home for the Adam Gold Show. Come on in. Weekdays at noon, right here on Eastern Carolina's home for sports. I love sports. And the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Are you ready for a new career? An amazing company chose Greenville to be the home of their nationwide contact center. Victra is the largest independent retailer for one of the nation's largest cellular providers. And Victra's Greenville contact center is growing rapidly. Victra is now hiring multiple positions for consumer sales, business-to-business sales, retail store support, customer care, and operations support. Benefits include incredible commission potential, paid face-to-face training, medical, dental, vision, paid time off, a 50% discount on your wireless bill, access to wages prior to payday, and 401k matching. Victor is now hiring both full and part-time positions, and top performers earn $25 to $28 an hour. All of their sales and service opportunities are inbound only. No outbound cold calls, no telemarketing. You will earn top dollar for every sale you make while working in a fun environment with a team of motivated professionals. Visit pit-jobs.com to apply now. Need $1,000 to $10,000 immediately for a gift for someone special, car repairs, or unexpected expenses? Time Financing Service offers competitive loan rates. Apply online and get your answer in less than an hour in most cases. Then you can pick up the cash at any of our 24 convenient locations. Apply online 24-7 at timefinancing.com. That's timefinancing.com. Time Financing Service. All loans subject to current credit policy of Time Financing Service. One-hour loan approval and same-day cash in most circumstances. Exceptions may apply. If you want the best steak in Eastern North Carolina, then remember this name. The Seahorse Steakhouse, 2301A Stantonsburg Road in Greenville. They serve USDA prime ribeyes aged 50 days, cooked to perfection by Crystal. The Seahorse Grillmaster, guaranteed to be tender and juicy. The Saturday Night Prime Rib is an experience you'll never forget. It's the most flavorful, tender piece of beef you'll ever eat. Delicious is an understatement. You're sure to leave full and satisfied. But if you have room to spare, a generous slice of one of their homemade cakes will take care of that. So the next time you want a really good steak in a relaxed family atmosphere, remember the home of Daddy's Steaks and Mama's Cakes. The Seahorse Steakhouse, Stantonsburg Road, Greenville. Chico's Mexican Restaurant is where the fiesta never ends. Grab your amigos and head to Chico's every Wednesday for shrimp tacos for only $9.99. Plus, Wednesdays means all Mexican imports for only $2.50. Thursdays, enjoy your favorite beef, chicken, or vegetable fajitas for only $9.99. For Mexican food and fun, it's got to be Chico's in downtown Greenville and now available through DoorDash, featuring a half gallon of the famous margarita mix to go for only $9.99. Chico's, where the fiesta never ends. Happy hours are always a swashbuckling good time with the P-Man. Happy hour for me never starts till after five. Me either. This is only number three. Let's get back to the Patrick Johnson Show here on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Lance. Greenville is our winner. Why didn't Lance want to come on the radio? I don't know. Just say he didn't want to come on. Byram would never have let that pass. I'm just saying. Oh, I'm just saying. B-Baby was would have none of that. Hey, hey, 
Customer's always right. He's listening to our show, and if he doesn't want to come on, I'm not going to be the guy that told him he has to. <sighs> Any particular reason why Cam Newton's trending on Twitter? I have no idea. He probably wore some goofy outfit and, you know, all the fashion people mm. are talking about it. I have no idea. All right. Um, so congratulations. Uh, Lance, you said, was the winner? Yep. Good for Lance. Thanks for listening, Lance. We appreciate it. Hope to see you out uh, tomorrow night. Uh, we'll have a 90-minute edition tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to yield uh, my time tomorrow to the duo of uh, Ben B-Baby Byram and the ref Philip Pilkington. So they'll have a 90-minute edition tomorrow. And they will have uh, a lot for you as far as uh, comments from Joe Dooley. Uh, we'll get to some of those here right now on the Patrick Johnson uh, Show and our Pirate Report. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Uh, East Carolina Temple tomorrow night. Uh, the Owls sank the Pirates on a last-second shot earlier this year in Philadelphia. And uh, we'll hear from Joe Dooley on uh, some of that right now. This is uh, Coach on uh, the loss to Cincinnati from the Joe Dooley radio show heard last night here on 94.3 The Game. Yeah, that was disappointing. I mean, I thought the guys did a great job of getting us back into the game. We were we struggled all night. Now we were much more offensively efficient the last four minutes. I thought the guys did a terrific job of executing. Uh, made some key shots. I think the biggest thing was, you know, we defended. And uh, that was probably the best we defended all year in the second half, of, you know, for the most part. I thought, uh, but it was disappointing. You know, we got to stop uh, the offensive rebound, put it back in. And uh, uh, Tremont actually made a terrific play in throwing the ball in quickly to, to Tristan. And we said, you know, it's splitting hairs, but he might have been able to get one more dribble. But he made a good play. We got the ball outlet quickly. He got it on the run, and unfortunately, it was short. Uh, what uh, coach saw when he went back and watched the film after the Cincinnati game on Sunday? No, we've we've put ourselves in some tough spots, and that we need to learn not to do that. But I think the one thing that they've done, with the exception of maybe the Houston game, is we figured it out. I mean, they we did a good job. I, I thought it was our defense yesterday. Obviously, we shot twenty eight percent and still had a chance to win the game, which is mind boggling to tell you the truth. And um, but you know, but I think one thing we did yesterday was we got to the free throw line a lot, uh, and then looking back at the tape, we missed a lot of open shots, and I think some of that comes with a little bit of confidence and a little bit of the fatigue at this time of the year. But um, you know, we we haven't shot the ball well in about you know eight ten days, so we've got to get back to, to to doing that to help us offensively. It's today's pirate report here on the PJ Show. Vance Jackson twenty five and ten in the loss against Cincy, and uh, the coach on. The uh, transfer seniors' performance. Yeah, there's good matchups. I mean, and I thought he did a nice job. You know, one thing he's starting to get more comfortable at that he wasn't, as you guys have all seen, is he's much more comfortable scoring in the post. I think his post moves, he's become much more deliberate, much more aware. And I think to his credit, you know, much more willing to be in the post. Uh, you know, I talked to him, I said, you know, that you're renowned as a terrific three point shooter, which he is. I said, but when you can diversify your game a little bit and the, and the post is a great because like you and I have talked about he is a he's a well-built kid he's a he's a good good strong kid and knows how to uh, maneuver down there he's getting more comfortable and he's getting more comfortable taking the ball to the basket another thing he's drawing more fouls yeah he, he's as he's gotten to the foul line he has shot uh, the, the free throws a lot better as Vance Jackson I still think Vance is uh, gonna have some explosive uh, games this year. And look, I, I think tomorrow's a, a good one. He had double digits in the matchup at Philly earlier. I think he he's a good matchup for him tomorrow with the Owls. So, uh, Vance Jackson is going to have to score the basketball. They're going to have to, they're going to have to get a third and fourth score with some consistency tomorrow. That could be Tremont Robinson white. Uh, certainly, uh, Alanza Frank Zoe had a, a really good first half ended up with a, uh, a, a season's best, I believe down at, uh, up at Temple. So a lot of that'll be, you know, what he can do tomorrow uh, night. Uh, But you got to, I think you're going to have to have a third and fourth guy potentially. I mean, they don't have to go bonkers or anything, but I'm not so sure what we're going to see out of JJ miles. He couldn't go at the end of the game. We'll hear a little bit more on Brandon Suggs coming up, but uh, here is, uh, 
here's Joe kind of elaborating further on the offensive struggles for ECU. Well, I th- you've seen a, a number of different things on different dates. I mean, I think the, the Houston deal was uh, they pressured us out of it, and we really struggled shooting the ball as well as, to, to tell you the truth, getting into offense. And uh, I, I think that game was you know, not who we are, but it, it, was, it, it sort of snowballed. Memphis, I thought their length bothered us a little bit again, as we talked about the last time. I mean, it's hard to simulate that, and I did think we had a bunch of, you know, we had a bunch of open shots in the second when we could have stemmed a run. Tremont had one right in front of our bench that was in and out, and one or two others just like that that maybe could have stemmed a tide, but didn't go in and out. Last night, we went back, and we, we estimated that we had about 18 or 19 open shots that we missed. And, you know, those things all add up. I think some of it, you know, when you're shooting, we shot 28% in our last two games. And, uh, you know, our, our field goal percentage offense has gotten down 10 points in a week. So that's that's a drastic number at this time of the year to go down. We went from 48% to 38% in league play. And uh, I think some of it's uh, – one thing I didn't think we did last night was I didn't think we took many poor shots. I mean, I thought we took one or two that I wish we could have had back. One I thought we got fouled on. But for the most part, I thought we t- our shot selection was pretty good. And make no mistake, I mean, the Pirates have faced some formidable defense. Uh, Cincinnati just gets after you. I mean, one thing that is kind of a a, a common thread through that program, regardless of who's coaching, they're going to be tough. They're going to be rugged on defense. They're going to get after you. Tough defense to score against. They make you work for it. Houston obviously uh, fits that bill. And I've said when they're playing defense at the level they were against ECU and committed whether it's ECU, whether it's uh, Baylor, whether it's uh, Duke, whether it's uh, anybody. They're a Final Four caliber team. Uh, We know Memphis, when they've got their heads screwed on correctly, just based on their length and athleticism, are are tough on defense. So, you know, Pirates have had some tough defensive uh, outings here as far as teams that they faced. And uh, Temple will be no picnic tomorrow either. Uh, This is uh, the Pirates... Really, what held them in the game was their free throw shooting. That was the thing that got them um, got them in the game. Did I play the defensive things, or was I just vamping there? Let's let's. Uh, we didn't play cut five, did we? No, I realized we didn't. I went from one. Yeah, I realized I went from one to the other there. It's kind of a stream of consciousness. Getting ahead of yourself but, uh, there, Patrick. Uh, well, a little bit. I was. Yeah. All right. So this is um, this is coach on uh, facing tough defenses. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think every team goes through those little rut at uh, some point during the season where you don't, you know, maybe a little mental fatigue or a little fatigue and you don't shoot it as well and hopefully we'll bounce back out of it. But like you said, our numbers, we were leading the league in field goal percentage going into the Houston game. And uh, when you shoot the numbers we've shot the last couple of games, they are going to drop drastically. And, uh, you know, I thought late in the game we got a little bit of offensive confidence and we got going a little bit late last night in the game. And hopefully that will carry over the next few games. I think that, that being said, you know, Houston's an elite. I think they were three or four in Ken Palm in, in the defensive, adjust, you know, adjusted defense. Uh, Memphis is in the top 20, and, and Cincinnati's in the top 30. So you look at three teams in the top 10 percentile in the country in, in defense, and uh, there's a reason they're, they're, they're that good. Also, uh, what we were talking about there, better free throw shooting for ECU, really kept them in the game against Cincinnati, but uh, that mid-range game and, and the three-point shooting has really uh, taken a hit here lately. Well, it's a strange stat, but we're, I think we're 37th in the country percentage points we get from the free throw line. We get 20.9% of our points from the free throw line, which is 37th in the country. So that's, that's good and bad. We found a way to get to the free throw line. We've obviously shot the ball pretty well from the free throw line. The, the area we need to clean up, and, and to tell you the truth in most regards, is the, uh, the, the mid-range game. Our two-point field goal percentage isn't where it needs to be offensively, especially around the rim. We were, we were not very good at finishing around the rim last night. Um, and, and, you know, I know Adu is a big kid, and they've got some big bodies. You know, Odie Ogama is a, is a big kid, but, you know, Adu is a shot blocker, but the rest of those guys really don't shouldn't give you that much trouble. And I thought we looked around a little bit. Maybe that was some residual from Memphis or, uh, you know, some at Houston, but uh, we, we've got to finish at the rim, and we usually have. From uh, Joe Dooley uh, about uh – Great fan turnout, and that's something I'm going to say. Look, there'll be a lot of people there cheering for Dunn tomorrow night out of Kinston. Uh, hope the students will show up. The fan turnout's been great. Hope a lot of folks will turn out tomorrow night, and uh, Joe Dooley talking about that. They were terrific, and I, I think the big thing, like you said, you know, you have the a noon game, so you have you know people coming from church and all those other things, and then you've got 
uh, NFL playoffs on, which usually is a big distraction for a lot of people. But the fans are great. The last couple minutes when we gave them something to cheer for, they were outstanding. And, uh, you know, they, they deserve for us to start winning some of these games. They, they've been terrific. Uh, also, the um, Temple Owls coming to town. We mentioned that. Uh, Joe Dooley here with uh, kind of a scout on the Owls. Well, I think they've gotten better. You know, you look at it uh, when they lost battle, they, they sort of had to regroup. And I think the more they've played with each other, the more they've got familiar. Uh, uh, you know, they've got some different types of weapons. And obviously Dunn puts you, puts you under some pressure because he averages nine free throw attempts a game, which is a large, large number. I think the kid Jordan, his numbers are up in conference play. And, you know, he's starting to figure out some things. And White and Williams, and they got Arishma Parks back. And, uh They've got some pieces. Ty, Ty Strickland, Rod Strickland's son is back playing. He's been injured. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, th- I think those guys, if they've got what what they really surprised me with was, was how long they were. They're almost as long, maybe not at the four and five as Memphis, but their perimeter guys are as big as anybody in the league. And uh, more on the Temple Owls from uh, Joe Dooley. Yeah, well, you know, the other guys have picked up the role battle as a transfer, as a top 30 or so player from, from New Jersey. And, uh, went from Butler and transferred into Temple and, and can really score in bunches. And but I, I think the kid Jordan has made a lot of a lot of you know a lot of headway. He's really aggressive. Uh, you know they're very good defensively. You look at their defensive numbers on the season. People are shooting about 38 percent against them on the, on the season. And their length, especially on the perimeter, and they sort of flip the floor on you. They're, you'll see White posting. You'll see Williams posting. You'll see Dunn posting as perimeter guys quite a bit, not quite a bit, but several times a game. And then, you know, Jordan now has picked up a little bit. You know, we'll shoot a little bit further from the three, and, you know, they can sort of flip the floor on you a little bit. Doesn't look like Brandon Suggs is going to play tomorrow night. Joe Dooley uh, quite succinct in uh, the latest on Suggs on his radio show. We're hoping to get him. I mean, he's he's out for a little bit more. Uh, he's starting to do some more stuff. I mean, he's weight-bearing, and uh, but he's not doing anything. I mean, he can do some stationary shooting, I mean, like off a chair or, you know, just stationary shooting and dribbling. But uh, his, his swelling has gone down. He's better, but he's not He's not ready to play yet. I think, uh, Philip, that is the biggest, as big a factor in anything, whatever's going on right now with this team, is, is you lose him. He, he's a long wing defender, and he's the best cutter. He cuts with intent. He's not just cutting to run the offense. He's cutting to get the ball and score. He's constant motion. And at times, the ECU offense has been a little stagnant. And I think not having him out there, because here's the thing. You can run two at Jackson in a lot of cases. You can double on Tristan, which we've seen. But with Suggs out there, you got to be more straight up and honest on defense. No, you're right. And, you know, you brought up, uh, I believe it was before cut five, saying who's going to be that third scorer behind Vance and Tristan. Well, if Brandon's on the uh, on the court, he, he's the there's guy. no yeah. question. Yeah. But Absolutely. now we have to ask that question. So, yeah, it's, it's hurting them big. Well, good crowd would be a long way to help tomorrow night, and uh, we appreciate those that have called and got tickets. Hope you'll, hope you'll show up. 7 o'clock tip tomorrow. And, uh, of course, you can watch it on ESPN+, Plus, but also – uh, listen to it here on 94.3 The Game and 107.9 WNCT, but uh, would love to have a great crowd out uh, tomorrow night uh, in uh, Greenville and Williams Arena Minji's Coliseum. All right, uh, here is uh, Philip. now. He's going to update you on going on a, a, a huge bit of breaking news in the NFL. This is bigger than the Brady story in a lot of ways uh, with uh, Flores suing the league and some teams. So here's uh, Philip on that and a lot more. And then uh, Brian Hanks from uh, 960 The Bull in K-Town will join us. Thanks, Patrick. Philip Pilkington here with your 94.3 The Game Sports Update. Starting in the NFL, Tom Brady has officially announced his retirement today. The former Patriot and Buccaneer spent 22 seasons in the league and won seven Super Bowls. The Carolina Panthers have made some front office moves today as they have named Christy Coleman the new team president. From the Dolphins head coach, former Dolphins head coach Brian Flores is suing the league as well as the Dolphins, Giants, and Broncos as he claims they had racism issues during their hiring process. The Buffalo Bills promote quarterback coach Ken Dorsey to the offensive coordinator position. This position came open about a week ago when Brian DeBole took the New York Giants head coaching job. Rams tight end Tyler Higby has sprained his MCL. His status for the Super Bowl is unknown. Speaking of the Super Bowl, since if the Cincinnati Bengals win, they will be able to party from ages 5 to 105 as the Cincinnati Public School District has announced they will 
will be giving all staff and students the day after the game off. To the NBA, the Warriors take on the Spurs tonight, and Golden State will be just a little shorthanded. They will be without Steph, Andrew Wiggins, and Klay Thompson. The Nets take on Phoenix tonight, and James Harden is expected to play despite dealing with a hand injury. In college football, Lincoln Riley will have a familiar face with him when he leads the team onto the field next season as quarterback Caleb Williams has transferred to Southern Cal from Oklahoma. And Florida and Florida State have announced they will play their big rivalry game next year on Black Friday. Speaking of big rivalry games, there is one big one tonight in college basketball. Maybe not quite as big as the Iron Bowl itself, but number one Auburn does host in-state rival Alabama. Other big games include number 10 Kansas visiting number 20 Iowa State and number 23 Texas going to number 14 Texas Tech. That'll do it for your 94-3 The Game Sports update. After this timeout, Brian Hanks joins the P-Man. Dunn's got the ball against Tremont. Coach is telling him to shrink the floor. Five seconds to go. Here's Dunn with the ball. Dunn is going to step back, shoot a three, and oh my God. the buzzer. Wow. Damian Dunn just hit it at the buzzer. A 23-footer off the right wing. A three-point basket. And the young man from Kingston was terrific. Well, that's what it sounded like a few weeks ago as uh, an Eastern North Carolina native broke the hearts of the uh, Pirates with a last-second sec- last shot. Damian Dunn uh, stroke in the uh, J at the horn, and the uh, Pirates uh, go down in Philadelphia. As uh, we get ready for Temple in East Carolina tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, Williams Arena Minji's Coliseum will have the game for you here, 94.3 The Game, 107.9 ESPN plus as well, but uh, hope a big crowd will be out tomorrow night. Pirates play uh, pretty good and pretty well at home, and uh, I do know a lot of people from uh, Kinston will be making the trip over to see uh, Damian Dunn and, you know, maybe root for the Pirates and root for Dunn. We'll see. Uh, A guy who will probably uh, uh, be there as well, I'm suspecting. He's the the mayor of Kinston, essentially, the de facto mayor of Kinston. (laughs) I'm calling him that. Uh, Brian Hanks uh, joins us from the Brian Hanks Show. Uh, it airs uh, over on 960 The Bull in Kinston, 960thebull.com, uh, 7 a.m. Monday through Friday. Of course, we want you to listen to Talk of the Town, but, you know, you can always – Brian's everywhere. He's got podcasts and other – he has a whole network, so he's hard to keep up with. Uh, Brian Hanks joining us here on the uh, program. Great to have you on. i gotta, I got to tell you, I think I'm the second most popular radio broadcaster to come from Kinston. Of course, you being first, Patrick. I mean, you are the pride of Kinston. Danny Rice, i got to tell you this. Danny Rice has told me to tell you hello. He's a huge Patrick Johnson fan. So uh, our mutual friend from Woodman Life, uh, national chairman of Woodman Life, uh, has told me to tell you hello, too. But, dude, very – as someone considerably older than you, I can tell you very <laughs> proud to uh, to know Patrick Johnson and all the success that you've had, dude. Well, thank you. That's that's nice of you, and uh, and, and you played a, a role in that uh, at, at some point uh, coming up. So uh, uh, thank you for that. All right, enough mutual admiration, Society. i got to take on <laughs> Hanks over some things here. So obviously Damian Dunn – and I was trying to go back and find this, and, and maybe – I didn't read it. Maybe I dreamed it. I don't know. But I thought you had said, hey, this was somebody who wanted to go to East Carolina. And it just kind of stuck with me that, you know, he's at Temple. He's playing the American, so he's that level of a player. Uh, you know, but there's a little more to the story, and I've delved into it. So let's let's kind of start there as, you know, Damian Dunn. What, I mean, he's he's had a fabulous season last year for Temple and is having a really great year this year. And Temple's kind of reset. They lost one of their key guys early in the season, but – you know, the Owls have, have been a tough out this year in the American, and, and he's a lot of the reason why. Absolutely. Here's the thing. I mean, you talk about a family, a Kenton family, a Lenore County family. His dad, Paul Dunn III, was a star at a North Lenore High School, probably a little bit before your time or right around uh, the time you were at Arundel Parent Academy. But uh, he was a star in North Lenore, then went on. He's in the uh, University of Mount Olive Hall of Fame. Had three great sons, Darnell, Damian, and Darius, uh, who all three played for Kenston High School. Uh, his older brother, he's the youngest of the three brothers. Uh, the two before him uh, played for, uh, like I said, played for Kenston, won state championships. Damian came along uh, his, after his junior year at Kenston, 
transferred to a school in Georgia uh, to, to finish out his high school career. But to get to your question, he loved ECU, loved East Carolina, and uh, I've been told by his pops, uh, he said it on my show too, or alluded to it. He didn't just come right out and say, hey, mm-hmm. I would have gone to ECU if they offered, but was never offered a scholarship or, as far as I know, was never even looked at by East Carolina. I mean, right here in Kenston, you know, where all we do, as you know, are win state championships and go deep into playoffs and have 80% winning percentage uh, in high school basketball since 19 or since uh, 2002, have sent eight players to the NBA. Every year sends players to uh, D1 college and colleges all over the country and did not get a look as far as I know and as far as I've been told by uh, the family. Now, bear in mind, I've not co- talked to Coach Dooley about this, so, I mean, right. I'm sort of talking on, uh, you know, secondhand well, knowledge or whatever, but but go ahead. Well, here's what I've kind of – because, again, I, I find that interesting because, you know, obviously you'd have to totally be oblivious not to know what, what goes on in Kinston. In fairness, this staff wasn't in place uh, in at the time, and he also did – you know, it wasn't like he was at Kinston Highs last year. So those are just the two, but you already alluded to that. So those are kind of the two qualifying, yeah. you know, factors. The thing is this, and I, I talk to Coach Dooley a lot, as you probably know. Uh, I listen to him. You know, the deal there is with Joe, I, I think that, you know, he's he, he's a recruiter. That's his deal. I mean, you and I were talking about this before we went on the air. you got to really like recruiting if you're going to be at the college level. Head coach, assistant coach, whatever. you got to really like recruiting. And even if you don't, you better have people on your staff that really love recruiting because that, that's the toughest part, especially now, uh, about all of this. So, you know, I know Joe Dooley wanted Terquavion Smith. I know there was uh, some overtures made to the kids at South Central. You know, th- that kind of leads to another part of the conversation I wanted to have. If Damian Dunn's saying, hey, I would have gone to ECU if they'd – that seems to be kind of a rarity. Uh, so before we, we get delve down to that and, and maybe get some of your thoughts on – you know, why that's so tough. Uh, I just wanted to kind of, you know, th- that's what my my research uh, has kind of indicated. You know, obviously this staff wasn't here, so that's a qualifier. And then he wasn't, like he wasn't in Kinston his last year. Doesn't mean that he shouldn't have been on anybody's radar because obviously he was a national recruit. But I, that was just one thing to kind of, you know, add a, a add on to your to your statement that uh, he had told you that on, on his radio show. Point is this. Uh, that's the caliber of kid ECU needs to be getting uh, in this day and age. And, and, I, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. I, it would be good to have somebody from the East is going to be the breakthrough. Would it have been Damian Dunn? Who knows? Could it have been uh, Shaikim, who's now down leading UNCW to their longest win streak? Who knows? Somebody's got to make that decision. All right, I'm going to, quote, unquote, stay home. And I think when they do, well, you'll I- start to see that become a little more in vogue. And I agree with you. And I can even give you a more. And I get you're absolutely right, dude. I mean, he left uh, Kinston in 2018, went down to Meadowbrook, in a suburb of Atlanta, and uh, played down there his senior year. So, And you're right, that's before Coach Dooley came in. But I'll give you a more immediate example, and it's Isaac Parson, who is now a point guard for Winston-Salem State University, and uh, who's a redshirt freshman who would have, I'm telling you, one of the most popular players even including Brandon and Reggie and all the other great players that we've had come through Kenton over the past decade or so. His name is Isaac Parson, point guard, 6'1 point guard that is now Winston-Salem State, who's averaging 12 points a game, who he himself has hit a couple of game winners for them. And again, I'm not trying to compare Winston-Salem State with ECU. ECU's in a, the, well, what, the fourth or fifth best conference right. in college basketball right now. But I'm telling you, if Coach Dooley had recruited Isaac Parson, again, one of the most popular players to come through, you would have an – I could almost guarantee this, an extra 200 to 250 season <laughs> tickets. So, because everybody loved Isaac that much yeah. that they would have come to Menji's just to see him every night. Well, here's the one thing I, I will say, and, and, th- and this happens. I mean, we've seen it. doesn't matter if you're Division two now or if you're low major. If you have a big year and you get people in your ear to get in the portal or you decide to bet on yourself maybe and get in the portal – and you've had that solid of a year, somebody's going to – I mean, you have a chance to – and look, that's the thing all programs are fighting. It's just not, you know, low major, mid-major. Blue Bloods are fighting it. D2 coaches are fighting it. I mean, if you can go with the way the portal is – and see, that's what I think it's going to take with East Carolina. That might be that you can, you can always come back home. 
And I think a lot of these – look, Brian, you've covered this for years. You've been around these kids at a level where you have a personal relationship with, with not only kids in eastern North Carolina but across the country, the top recruits. I think, I think that's a, they're, they're savvier now than they've ever been about stuff like NIL, about recruiting. They always know, hey, if I go to a university 2,000 miles from home, it doesn't work out, or I get, I get my degree and I want to f- play my last two years closer to home – because of the portal now, I can do that. So I think that's the thing you might start to see a little bit of. Do you agree with that? I uh, 100% agree with that, and especially with uh, – and I don't know how much longer, and you probably – I know you know this better than I do. I know they had taken off the, that you have to sit out a year yeah, after a yeah. transfer. Is that still in effect, or how much longer is that going to stay in effect? That is very appetizing to uh, young student-athletes right now, too, is that, you know, listen yeah, – you're right. Let's just use Isaac, and I'm not saying anything. I don't know what his situation is, whether he wants to come back here or not. But, I mean, with him, again, what Salem State was in on him uh, from the very beginning, and that's the reason why he went there, but he wanted to go to ECU so bad. Who, so who's to say that maybe after a CIAA championship this year, which they're in line to probably get or uh, to win, Maybe he decides after this year or after next year that, you know what, my dream was to play in front of thousands of people at Menji's, and it was. Here's a kid, we talked about it when we started, who used to wear ECU gear to the gym. Uh, <laughs> that might be a rarity in itself with Pirate Hoops, I, and, and I'm not knocking on it because you won't find a bigger no. advocate of, of what's being done and, and what Coach Dooley's trying to do than I am. And, and the belief that, you know, ECU basketball could be successful. I, I, I think it can be. Uh, it's there's it's nuanced there's a lot to it we're just kind of discussing one aspect of it but look i think that's great that some that this kid was a pirate fan if it works out down the road uh great you know but i hope he has a great career absolutely and that's just been my concern and i do i listen i'm a unc charlotte guy you know that i mean i'm an alum and but i've in my 20 years since i got here i really have adopted ECU, I'm, I'm getting ECU uh, season tickets for football uh, today or tomorrow. I mean, I'm that excited about supporting the Pirates and Pirate Nation. I just would love to see, and I know you would too, Patrick. I know you well enough to know this. I'd love to see a, a Farmville Central kid over yeah. at, you know, in the starting lineup for uh, Joel Dooley's Pirates. I'd love to see a Kenton kid. In fact, we've got a senior right now, a six-six guy named Jeremy Dixon who is uh, being recruited by UNC Wilmington and by Appalachian State. Hey, has not had an offer. I don't, I'm not sure ECU's looking at him right now. He's averaging about 17 a game right now for Kent and I. Has ranged to about uh, 25, 26 feet. Uh, goes about elbow high over the rim. I mean, another one of those great Kenston players. He's one of those next-up players yeah. for Kenston who's going to end up probably, if I had to put money on it, probably at Appalachian or at Elon or somewhere like that. And I would, I just, Patrick, I'd love to go. And you know, I love to go watch games. And if I don't watch them, I'm listening to you or watching you and Cy on uh, ESPN plus, but I would love to hear you talking about a Kenston guy running up and down the court for the pirates. Yeah. I think it'd be great. Uh, Brian Hanks is uh, with us uh, here. Uh, and one last thing on this, by the way, Brian uh, hosts his own show over at Kenston on nine sixty the bull. Uh, that is at Hank show on Twitter. And then Brian is at BC Hanks on Twitter. Uh, do you think there's a little bit of a, I mean, we're talking about kids that either were pirate fans or might be open to, to recruiting or say they would go, but I mean, do you think there is, I don't want to say a stigma, but I mean, do you think there's this, there's this just natural inclination that, Hey, I, I don't want to go to school in my backyard. I mean, we see a lot of kids from the East, you know, go to the triangle or go to Boone or Charlotte or wherever to go to college, just regular students. And you'll see a lot of kids in the triangle or triad go to East Carolina as a result of, you know, I don't want to go to school, quote unquote, in my backyard. Is that just the age group in a way? It very well might be. And looking back at some of our, in the last 10 years, so Reggie Bullock, and you know this, grew up a Carolina fan. I mean, whereas I was talking about some of our other kids that wear pirate gear around uh, Kenston High School and around Kenston, uh, Reggie was always going to Carolina. If uh, When Roy made that offer, he was going there. Brandon Ingram, who's now a star for uh, the New Orleans Pelicans, nothing against ECU. Now, ECU did offer him, and they were in on him. But, I mean, we knew. I mean, he's the number two recruit in the entire country. I mean, that would talk about being a coup for uh, right. ECU if they were able to get him. They weren't getting him, but they could get that. Uh, like I said, that Isaac Parson, that Damian Dunn, that uh, the Jeremy Dixon, who's at Kenston right now. I, you know what? I hate to do this. I'm going to have to disagree with you a little bit because – 
there are players who are homebodies who, again, you, you weren't getting Reggie, you weren't getting Brandon, but you know what? You could have got Isaac, you could have got Damian. Right. You would probably, if you were in on a Jeremy Dixon right now, would probably get him. Uh, so I, I got to disagree with you. And that the, again, the big time national, you know, top 50 players, McDonald's All Americans from Kenston and Farmville Central, that might be a little bit hard, but. Why there? You could absolutely get every three-star, two-star, three-star player from Eastern yeah. North Carolina for sure. I think. I think we're on the same page, just maybe approaching it from different uh, levels. Let me ask you a couple quick things here. Uh, Dontrez Styles. I saw him last year. I, I had a, a couple high school games that uh, I did. He was in one. Well, actually, he was not in one of them. He was he was injured at the time, and I was really excited about watching him. He just gotten hurt, I think, before uh, we did uh, a, a game that I did at Washington, and it I, you know. It, that seems like Roy or uh, they got a tight rotation. Hubert does at UNC, and, and he hasn't been able to crack it yet. What What are you hearing with that? Because I mean, you know, even though I've never seen him with my own two eyes in person, you know, just seeing the highlights and and watching games online, he seems like uh, uh, you know a, a a kid that you would like because he rebounds his position very well. He plays defense. He could score. What What? Why hasn't it clicked in Chapel Hill yet? What are you hearing? It's exactly what you just said earlier, and you alluded to it perfectly there, Patrick. Uh, Hubert is just keeping his uh, rotation so tight. I mean, he's not going uh, with his primary rotation deeper than seven players. Sometimes he'll go eight players. But here's what's crazy. When Trez has gotten through to the game, I mean, the other day against NC State, he plays six minutes. He ends up with six re- or six points, four rebounds, and only six minutes of play. Uh, and again, yes, he's probably going against the, you know, the two squad for, or, you know, the, the second string for NC State at that time, but still has done well when he gets his minutes. He's averaging about a point a minute uh, in the time that he's been able to play. He's really dedicated to uh, Carolina. And I know uh, there have been people in Kenston that have, you know, tried to uh, intimate that, you know, he may be interested in uh, transferring. I, I don't think that's so. I know his family. I know him personally, and I've known him since he was in middle school. He was another one of those just true blue Carolina guys that wants to, you know, wanted to play for Carolina. I think his time's going to probably come next year. Now, I tell you what, Patrick, if we're having this discussion a year from now, right, yeah. and the minute situation is the same situation that it has been this year, I, dude, I would not be at all. And I've no, I've not even said this on my show before, but I'll say it here on yours. I could see him in Greenville. I could see him uh, transferring to another school because the frustration level would be off the charts if he plays another year and, and ends up with the same kind of minutes and being out of the rotation that he has been this year, Patrick. Yeah. All right. Uh, last thing for you here. Uh, Larry Williford's a good friend at Farmville. Perry Tyndall grew up with Perry and Kinston, good friend. Uh, and they were playing at an event recently. Boy, we've had a couple of incidents in Farmville games where some incidents in the stands have, have rolled out onto the floor, caused the games to be delayed or postponed. Look, we both love the game. We both love these Eastern North Carolina communities, and this is no way a reflection on the schools or their programs, but gosh, you just you can't have that stuff. And that, that I know that had to be frustrating, and, and I'm sure embarrassing too for, for everybody involved, at least the schools and the programs. Uh, you're right about that, Patrick. I mean, I'm the media director, and I have been since 2007 for the John Wall Holiday Invitational up in Raleigh, and that's where one of those incidents happened, uh, and Farmville was in that game. And then, of course, it happened at the Brandon Ingram MLK on uh, January 15th there at Kenston High School. Uh, it, it's just sad, but may, let me make very, 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 very clear here, and I know you just did too, Patrick. This has nothing to do with Farmville Central. This has nothing to do with Kenston High School. I think it's just knuckleheads in the crowd, and I'm not so sure it's not a, a reaction to the pandemic, Patrick, that, you know, people have been locked in their houses for a year and a half, two years, or, you know, not locked in their houses, but you know what I mean, have right. not been able to be in crowds. And you know what? You've got all this pent-up frustration. You've got these natural rivalries. You've got this other stuff going on. And then you get a couple of freaking knuckleheads in the crowd that just mess it up for everybody else again. This is not a Larry Williford thing. It's not a Perry Tindall thing. It's not a Farble thing. It's not a Kenson thing. It's happening everywhere. In fact, the same night that we had our situation happen up in uh, Raleigh at yeah. Wake Tech yeah. in the John Wall Holiday Invitational, there was a shooting in Salisbury yeah. that night at a high school holiday tournament. On a Again, college campus. Patrick, I think, on a college campus. On a college yeah. campus. Yeah. Yep, yep. And I just think it's uh, people have just pinned up for way too long, and they're getting out, and as happy as some people are, and you and I are definitely happy to be out there, 
you just get these knuckleheads that just feel like uh, they've got to show out, and that's what ends up. That is what ends up happening. Yeah, not good, uh, not good. Hey, Brian, great to talk to you. Enjoyed it, and uh, maybe we'll see you tomorrow night uh, over in Greenville. I cannot wait for tomorrow night. I, let me tell you this. I'll leave you with this. I know you need to go here, but I got to tell you this. I think the situation tomorrow is going to be you're going to have you're going to have a solid 200, 250 people just from Kenston to see Damien tomorrow night. They're going to like myself. I hope Damien goes for 40, 45 tomorrow, but that ECU comes away with a last second win. I think that's the situation you're going to see tomorrow night with uh, our Kenston contingent as we invade Minji's tomorrow night. Get Rice to buy you dinner. That's all I'm going to say. Just you know, get him to pop for dinner tomorrow. <laughs> all right. Good to talk to you, I love Brian. It. I love it. Thanks a lot. You're welcome, dude. Online or on the go, log on to our brand new website, 943thegame.com, to listen to The Patrick Johnson Show weekdays at 5. It might be crap, but we love it. Or tell your smart speaker to stream 94.3 The Game to take us anywhere you are at any time. WorldCat, the world's largest powered catamaran boat builder, is hiring at their Tarboro and Greenville locations. If you enjoy a challenging career opportunity, producing a top quality product, then a career with WorldCat may be for you. Experienced craftsmen and anyone that enjoys hands-on projects and those with carpentry skills or auto body detailing skills are highly encouraged to apply. Send your resume to careers at worldcat.com. That's careers at worldcat.com or go to worldcat.com forward slash careers. It's time to travel again, and it's time to enjoy the convenience of flying from Pitt Greenville Airport. Reservations are available now at AA.com. Whether you're flying for business or leisure, Pitt Greenville Airport and American Airlines can get you to Charlotte and then anywhere on the map. You can't beat the convenience of parking right next to the terminal and the short lines at ticketing and security. For your next trip, check out the great rates offered at AA.com and support your local Pitt Greenville Airport. Are you tired of living with chronic pain, knee pain, joint pain? Listen carefully because now there are new treatments available here. Not talking surgery or steroids, these are regenerative treatments from the medical professionals at QC Kinetics. Hi, this is Patrick Johnson. QC Kinetics is the leader in these exciting biologic therapies that help restore and repair damaged tissue in your joints with lasting results. If you've got pain in your knees, shoulders, hip, or back, joint pain that won't go away, you need to check out these treatments with astonishing patient satisfaction reports. They can actually help your body restore and repair itself with no downtime, no drugs, or no surgery. Don't go through another year with that awful joint pain. And don't let them put you under the knife. You need to learn more about how biologic therapies are changing the way we think about dealing with joint pain. Call QC Kinetics now for a free consultation. 252-756-PAIN. That's 252-756-7246. 252-756-PAIN. We know that juicy, cheesy, grilled-to-perfection burger sounds amazing, but it does sound like something is missing. Pepsi, baby. The yin to this burger's yang. Burgers and Pepsi go together like, well, like burgers and Pepsi. This perfect blending of flavors makes every bite of lettuce, every sesame seed on the bun, and every sip of that crisp, refreshing, ice-cold cola. A journey to Foodopia. Burgers. Better with Pepsi. That's what I like. Is that the sound of an ooey-gooey, cheesy, crunchy slice of P-I-Z-Z-A? <laughs> Obviously. But as good as that sounds, we think it can get even better. Oh, yeah. That's the sound of a freshly opened, fizz-filled Pepsi. The only thing that can take this flavor medley of crunchy dough, mouth-watering cheese, and savory sauce to the next level. How about another bite? Pepsi and pizza sound like a match made in heaven and taste even better. Pizza. Better with Pepsi. That's what I like. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Do we owe Adam Schefter an apology, uh, Philip? Is that something we uh, we owe him? Why, why would we owe an apology? Oh, because he broke the news early? Yeah, and he got, he got you know, crushed for it. Well, I mean, it's Brady's news to tell. It's not his news to tell. Well, but he's in the breaking news business. That's all. That's all yeah, but with like stuff like trades where like the team doesn't come out and say, like, if a guy, especially a guy who's been in the league for 22 years and is a good retiring, let him, let him be the one to break it. Mm. Okay. All right. Uh, of course, Brady retiring, major news. 
Flores suing the NFL. Brian Flores alleges racism in hiring practices. Uh, more on that. Uh, thanks to Brian Hanks for coming on. Don't forget Pirate Basketball tomorrow. ECU Temple. 90-minute edition, Ben and Philip. They'll lead you from 5 until 6.30 into network coverage. And uh, see you in the morning on Talk of the Town and uh, on the tube for ESPN Plus tomorrow night. ECU and Temple. Uh, Jay Sonolder, by the way, will be joining me for that one. Catch you tomorrow uh, or Thursday. I will. The guys will be here tomorrow. Have a great evening. Some may see a sprinter. At the NFHS, we see a future leader already off to the races. Some may see a volleyball player. 